Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Off the Bench Podcast. This is episode five. We're coming to you Thursday, August 4th. It's about 8 p.m. here Eastern. Um, and I'm joined by Jesus Escalera here with me in Indiana again. Jesus, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Had a pretty eventful night last night, but ready to talk about some basketball. Yep, always good to get back in the grind, the, the flow of things. Unfortunately, our uh, co-host, Andy Berman, will not be with us tonight. He is traveling back from North Carolina, uh, wrapping up his internship down there, and he's got a lot on his plate for now. Jesus missed one earlier in the in the season, so we decided that it was okay if Berman uh, missed out on one tonight. So it's going to be me and Jesus. I'm excited to get into things. For uh, an early August podcast, we actually have a lot, a lot to go over, a lot of news bits, um, some signings, extensions, some waivers. Um, there's been a lot going on for the late off season. Uh, but before we get into that and any of that, um, we want to send out our condolences and prayers um, to the James family. The Bronny situation just terrifying. I got that notification when I was at work. Um, and like just reading it, you can always tell with those headlines, my heart sunk. Um, he's a couple of years younger than myself and Jesus. Um, and to just see somebody like that go through something so serious um, and sort of uncommon, um, aside from basketball and athletes of that sort, we just want to see him healthy. We want to see him back out on the court um, and do whatever he needs to do to get back to normal and stay healthy. So prayers up for him. Um, and we're glad he's in stable condition. That's the other thing. He has been in stable condition for some time now. Um, and shout out to the USC medical and training staff um, for their quick action and everything they did. Jumping right into the NBA news, we have a little bit of news on Dame. Uh, a couple reports from Chris Hansen. Um, Damian Lillard has said that if for some reason no trade happens, if Portland can't find a deal, that he will report to camp and he will play for the Blazers, which is a bit of a surprise given how adamant he was that he wanted to go to Miami. Um, I know that a lot of people kind of wrote it off as soon as they extended Jeremy Grant and didn't trade the third pick in the draft, that he was going to be traded. Well, that's not necessarily the case anymore as Portland has also reported that they are not increasingly interested at all in anything Miami has offered them. It's not looking like Miami is going to have the package required to get Dame, um, which is a testament to how how much Portland understands Dame's value, really. And they're willing to do what they need to do for their organization. Uh, here's your city quick thoughts on Dame and everything going on with the Heat. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a couple of days ago where, if it was like Shams or something, where they reported... Um, how he only wants to join Miami. I was hoping that maybe he changed his mind and was and was willing to maybe be traded somewhere else and see what other teams had to offer for him. Because so I feel like it'd be just good to see him out of Portland, but guess not. It feels like it was probably too good to be true. I remember I remember thinking the same way with the Brad Beal situation, not expecting him to go anywhere because him and Dame just they've always stayed home um, and they've always been loyal. And this time, it looks like Damian Lillard is not going to have much of a choice. So that's that. I'm sure we'll get updates soon. Um, the season starts in about two and a half months, maybe a little bit less. So we're going to find out what's going on with Dame. Um, and that should happen before the season starts. In other news, 
uh, a series of mini transactions have occurred the past week or so. Uh, the first one being the Celtics waving Justin Champagne. Uh, August 1st, his salary of $50,000 was set to become fully guaranteed. And rather than paying that for this upcoming season, the Celtics decided to waive him. They now have two open roster spots and one two-way spot. Um, and you talk about the things that they may do the rest of the season. We'll get into the Derek White extension talks later in the episode. Uh, but a lot of reporters have said, and this is, I think, Chris Forsberg uh, with NBC News Boston, said that the Celtics had offered Z. Mikhailuk um, a minimum deal for this upcoming year. I don't know how many years are on the deal. Probably just one or two. Uh, but Z was a solid player for Charlotte last year, averaging about 11 and 40, 40 or so percent shooting from three, uh, all while playing about 23 minutes a game for Charlotte. He didn't play a ton of games for them, but he was fairly effective when he was on the court as a spot-up shooter. Now, he, the defensive side of the ball, obviously, is a different story. He's not going to be much of an asset there. But when you look at the Celtics and what they need, if you can get a guy like that, who's essentially as offensively productive as Sam Hauser, if you can get that on the minimum, that's a win. Um, and he's choosing right now between returning to Greece or going to the NBA with the Celtics. He would probably be making more money in Greece with the team that he would sign there. The question is whether he wants to continue to try to play in the NBA. If he joins the Celtics on a minimum, he might have a good season and pick up an offer elsewhere um, or get traded at the deadline to a team where he's got a chance to play for. Um, and the other thing that the Celtics need to do is decide what they're going to do um, with that second roster spot. There's some speculation. Maybe they'll try to bring back Blake Griffin for some uh, for some veteran help on the team. I just want to know any any thoughts that you had on the Celtics and what they're going to do with the, their end of the bench here. Honestly, I don't even know, to be honest. I think they should probably bring back Blake Griffin for sure. Definitely for some veteran experience. Maybe even play a little more in garbage time. See that old Pete Griffin back on the court. <laughs> yeah, Blake's Blake's a comedian. Uh, Blake's a funny guy. He's good to have around. And, you know, anytime he was on the court, it was a sure sign that the game was over. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody in Boston would be opposed to having him come back. I don't think there's a lot of guys that they can bring back on the minimum. Uh, a lot, a name that has kind of been thrown around Celtics Twitter is Kelly Oubre. That contract might be a little bit more, it might be closer to the biannual than a minimum. Whether he wants to take that or not, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he could find a, a bigger role somewhere else. But a lot of Celtics fans want the Celtics to go after Kelly Oubre. Aside from that, uh, the Nets signed Trendon Watford, who was waived by the Blazers in June, similar to the Celtics doing what they did with Champagne. Blazers didn't want to pay his contract, and it was non-guaranteed at the time. It's also going to be non-guaranteed with the Nets. Now, the reason Portland did that, um, they had a lot going on. They were in extension talks with Jeremy Grant. They were bringing in rookies who were going to fill up spots, and obviously they have this whole dream Damian Lillard debacle to handle. Uh, but Trenton Watford was solid for them, and he's only 22 years old. I was a little bit surprised when they waived him at the time. But for those reasons I just gave you, it, it sort of makes sense, and you shrug a little bit, like whatever. It's a little bit of an insignificant move for Portland compared to what they've had to deal with. 
As for the Nets, you're bringing in another guy who signifies, you know, a little bit of a youth movement on their end. You got both the twins from Phoenix, and then you got Cam Thomas, who looks to be pretty good, and obviously rookie Derek Whitehead. I, I'm excited for Trendon in Brooklyn. I thought it was a little bit surprising that it took him this long to get picked up by a team. He's 22 years old. I think he can contribute. So I, I think that's a great move for uh, for Brooklyn. The Raptors brought in a veteran as well, Garrett Temple, who was with New Orleans last year. This is the one that I looked at and I didn't even look at twice. I mean, Garrett Temple's he's very old. And, I mean, he's almost he's almost in a role similar to what Udonis Haslam was in with the Heat, where he doesn't do anything but be a bottom of the bench, you know, veteran help in terms of leadership. So, you know, if the Raptors need that, sure. I'm not really confident in the direction they're going. They can't seem to decide between the youth movement and keeping guys like Pascal um, and Jakob Pertl around, who they just brought in or re-signed in free agency. So Toronto's a bit confusing, and I don't think the Garrett Temple uh, signing is super significant. Finally, we got the Hornets. The Hornets have done some interesting things this offseason. They brought in a lot more talent than they had last year. They got Brandon Miller in the draft, who I know a lot of people are kind of unsure about. A lot of people are excited about him. They're also bringing back a healthy Gordon Hayward and an available Miles Bridges. And two years ago, they were, I believe, the seven or eight seed in the playoffs. And I think they lost both playing games and just missed the play the playoffs as an eight or seven. But they were competitive that year, and surely LaMelo next year will be a little bit more healthy than he was this year. They waived Xavier Sneed and signed Frank Nitlakina. Obviously, Frank Nitlakina very early in, I think, the top ten in the draft to New York in the 2017 draft. It was a bit of a surprise at the time, and I think New York probably thought he was the truth. He ended up not being not panning out like a top ten pick. He's been bounced around a couple places. He was last with Dallas. Now he's going to be going to Charlotte, where he's going to get an opportunity because they've got a lot of roster spots open. And as for Charlotte, they extended a qualifying offer to both P.J. Washington and Theo Maladon. Washington, you know, he may decline it and try to come back on a on a bit more of a a larger deal worth a little bit more money. Obviously, P.J. Washington, much better player than Theo Maladon. But that's kind of what the, the Charlotte Hornets offseason is going to look like from here on out. Any quick thoughts on those uh, on those transactions before we get into the extension? Um, besides, I'm really excited to see how the Hornets played this season. I feel like they're going to be taking a big step compared to last year, for sure. Because once LaMelo got hurt, that team was just horrible. Yeah, they were not going to be doing any damage. And I look at the Magic, honestly, just a quick thought. And there's not a lot to me that says the Magic are going to be that much better than the Hornets. And there's t- there's people who have the Magic as a nine seed in the playoffs or ninth in the power rankings in the East. So uh, keep an eye on Charlotte. Charlotte can be competitive this year. They've got a good roster. They're going to need a lot more from Terry Rozier, and LaMelo Ball being healthy will help that. Uh, but in general, they're going to have to do better with him and Hayward. For extensions... The Los Angeles Lakers, just a few hours ago, as I was on my way to the gym, they agreed to a three-year, $186 million contract with Anthony Davis, making him 
the highest annually paid player in the league just like a week after Jalen Brown got the richest deal in NBA history. As a Lakers fan, I'm going to give you the floor for a minute and talk a, talk a little bit about Anthony Davis and what this extension means to the Lakers to you. I feel like it was definitely the right move to me. This It's probably not a hot take, but he is winning Defensive Player of the Year next year, and I feel like he's he's going to stay healthy almost the whole whole year. But I definitely like this extension. Probably the best move. You can see what he can do in the playoffs, especially when he's consistent on defense and offense. I mean, you can't just let this guy go. He's if the Celtics don't win a championship, it's definitely Lakers, and it's going to be because of Anthony Davis. So I love it. That's a bit of a hot take, but I'm here for it. Uh, I like it. I don't know if anybody, any of our viewers or yourself were aware of this, but Anthony Davis had a bit of an interesting and unique contract. You've seen players have player options on the final year of their deal. Anthony Davis actually had what's called an early termination option, which is different from a player option because if he declines it or if he exercises it, it terminates the final year of his contract and he can't be extended with the, the Lakers, the team he exercised that option for. So with that looming, and obviously, you know, LeBron maybe wanting to play with Bronny next year if he gets drafted elsewhere, I thought it was very important for the Lakers to get this done. Because if you lose LeBron and Anthony Davis, it's going to be another long rebound rebuild. And we've seen the Lakers shuffling talent. At one point, they had Julius Randle, Josh Hart, Larry Nance, Brandon Ingram, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell. And they fumbled all of it, and they didn't do anything. They got rid of all the players. They didn't do anything. So that would scare me as a Lakers fan if you have to go into another deep rebuild. Whereas if you keep Anthony Davis, you extend him, regardless of what the money is, right? Like if LeBron's leaving, Anthony Davis being that highly paid is not ridiculous. So you need to have that kind of star there to keep the team relevant, maybe bring in other pieces in free agency. Because without those two... The attraction to the Lakers right now isn't super high. All right. Um, I think if you're the Lakers, you also think it's a W because Anthony Davis has proven to be the best player on the team when they need it. You know, like if LeBron's – no, on the team. On the team. Sorry. You say in the league or did I say in the league? Mm -hmm. You did? I said in the league. Okay, that's – I'm not going to go there. Um, but when LeBron's not on or LeBron's out, Anthony Davis can be that guy. He's the kind of, he's still, he's only 30 years old. I mean, that's not crazy old. He could probably play a few more years. Um, I'm not sure what his game's going to look like as he ages, but I, I really like it for both parties. Congratulations to him. I mean, that's a bag. And I had it on here prepared actually to talk about the looming extension that was possible for him. Obviously this is a max Said, you know, this is this could be coming up sometime before the year. Had to delete all my notes when I got back here from the gym because he signed the extension, um, and the Lakers that probably will complete their off season. They're probably about ready um, to to put out their 16 man roster for the the regular season. Derek White is the other player on, I have on here who's eligible for a three year, 85 and a half million dollar extension. That would be his max. And I don't expect the Celtics to give him eighty-five and a half million over three years. That would put him at close to thirty million. It'd be twenty-eight and a half annually, and that's right under Porzingis. 
I think both sides are going to be able to come to an agreement on something three years in the 60 to $70 million range, maybe 65 to $70 million. Um, because when you look at the Celtics right now, Malcolm Brogdon is injury prone. They're not going to hold back there. He's a bit older. You just ship out Marcus Smart. Derek White is a very important piece for this team. And they didn't draft a point guard. So it's him and Pritchard. And then I guess you could throw Delano Banton at the end of that depth chart, whatever. But Derek White is extremely valuable to the Celtics. And I, I think I expect this extension to be done. He's not eligible until the end of September. Um, and the regular season starts October 24th. So you got like a three week window to get it in, to get it finished before the season. But I mean, extensions during the year are also not super uncommon. Any thoughts on Derek White? Definitely d- agree with you. I don't think he's going to get eighty-five million, but maybe somewhere in the seventies and sixties. But yeah, you definitely can't let that guy go. Hopefully, him and Pritchard share some good minutes. It was always fun watching Pritchard play. But yeah, it is pretty much agreed with everything you said. Definitely I like Pritchard a lot. Me too. No, 80, I think eighty-five is a little bit ridiculous. Like, and I think he's even aware of that. Like, he's probably not going to get that from Boston. And I think with his increased role with Smart out the window, maybe he comes to terms with the fact that hey, like I, my job's secure here, I'm still making money. You know, if I take this eighty-five and a half million, we're not gonna be able to team build at all the next off the next off season. So I think you know, giving him the starting point guard role is probably gonna be a little bit of an incentive. For him to take a little bit of a pay cut, maybe not crazy, but that's kind of where I'm at with Derek White. I love him. You know, I think he's a great fit. He's going to turn out to be a fine point guard for them this year. I'm not worried one bit about the backcourt. So, next up, Giannis and the Bucks. Giannis was eligible this offseason for a three year, $173 million extension. And obviously, no deal got done. That number for him. It would have ended up being kind of low compared to what he could make in the next few years. So really, I mean, this extension was probably never going to get done. And there's not a lot to talk about here because his contract still runs through, I think, the 2026 season. Um, And he holds a player option on the final year of his deal, which is why it's a little bit noteworthy because as we get closer, you know, they're going to want to get that extension done before his final year. They don't want him to be able to test free agency that offseason. It's a smart move by Giannis not to even engage in extension talks right now because with the salary cap increases each year, he's probably better off sitting through this deal and then taking the bag later on. Uh, but yeah, not a lot to talk about there. It's still a long ways off, but the player option makes it a little bit, a little bit noteworthy to discuss. DeMar DeRozan is the final player I have on this list. And I have some friends that are Bulls fans. I'm sure Sam's going to be watching this. I give the Bulls a lot of crap. But DeRozan is a good player. And DeRozan still has value, even at his old age right now. He's eligible for a four-year, $180 million extension, which would be $45 million annually. That's not up to par with, obviously, Giannis and AD, as it shouldn't be. But it's still a lucrative deal. It seems to me like if I if I was in charge of the Bulls personally, at some point you got to trade him here before he becomes a free agent, and instead of you know giving him this extension, I personally would trade him. 
Um, if that means, you know, giving him the extension and then trading him and putting that contract on somebody else's books, maybe a team is more, you know, enticed to trade for him if there's a few years left on his deal. Uh, that's fine. But if I were the Bulls, I would trade him. Now, I think the likely scenario here, unfortunately, for Chicago, I say unfortunately because this core just does not work. They've proven that several times. I think the likely scenario here is that they're going to extend DeMar and probably see what they can do uh, with this group, maybe bring in some other pieces. Um, and I say that because they extended Nikola Vucevic this offseason, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of people. You know, that's one piece that you got Levine and DeRozan. If you want to switch up what the roster looks like, Vucevic, you don't want to pay him more than you're paying him now. You're not going to improve your team in the slightest. And Vucevic, a very below-average defender, I'll put it that way. Um, but what, are your, what are your takes on the Bulls and the direction they're heading in? I don't know if you call it a direction because they really haven't committed to this core or a youth movement yet. What are your thoughts there? I just I don't really see what they see in that in that team really. I, I watch them play here and there. It's just Levine is a very interesting player, I can tell you. It's that. Levine. Vucevic. Levine. Not Levine, Levine. Not bad. I'm so bad with names. Vucevic, man, that's a lot of money for him, but he's okay. I mean he can shoot threes here and there, kinda defend, kinda rebound, but uh DeRozan, I definitely don't think they should give him that extension. That's just a lot of money. He's he's getting old, but he is he's very, I don't know, it's a tricky situation. But I feel like they should just full-out rebuild, just give up on this core, see what they can do with younger players like Kobe White. Yeah, I tend to be in that boat as well, a little bit more than, the, you know, build around DeRozan and Levine. Even though they're both good players, um, and I, I know what Bulls fans are going to say, right? Like that year, I think it was last year, or 2021-2022 with Lonzo in the lineup. And I don't mean to drag him and his injury situation into this because it's incredibly sad what happened to his knee. And it's probably never going to come back the same. But Bulls fans are going to say, we were in first place. And Lonzo and the Bulls were playing great in January 2022. And to them, I'd say, yeah, and the Celtics were 23-24. and 24 and like ninth or 10th in the East, right? Like things change. Um, I, I, I don't believe in this Bulls team at all. And Patrick Williams, like he's starting to get into the same boat with uh, DeAndre Hunter from Atlanta. Like everybody's like, well, he's, he's a solid wing and he's versatile and he's got this potential. Well, nothing's changing. He's not improving a ton. And really like that was a guy you took in the top 10 a couple of years ago. Like that's supposed to be a guy that you can, you can throw in as a number two option. And Chicago, they keep bringing in weird pieces. I mean, they extended Ayo Dasunmo, which I thought was a good decision. They gave Kobe White a pretty good deal. But then they bring in um, Javon Carter, who is young and probably isn't going to play a lot. And then you also bring in Tory Craig, who just put on one of the worst shooting displays I've ever seen from a role <laughs> player in the Suns playoff run. So I, I'm not really sure what the Bulls expect to get done. Um, they, they've they got Javon. You think so? Yep. I mean, their season kind of turned around a little bit when he got there. But they've got, like, it's them and the Magic. They've got crazy point guard rooms. Like Kobe White, Lonzo Ball, he's 
the Bulls still have Lonzo's rights. I mean, that's worth noting. It's not like he's just out of the league. They still have his rights. Uh, and then Io DeSumo, and now Javon Carter's in there as well. It, it's just a very weird room with a lot of below-average point guards that you're trying to use to complement a duo that does a lot of the same. Like DeRozan and Levine, people talk about Tatum and Brown having overlapping skill sets. Levine and DeRozan have extremely overlapping skill sets. You're not getting a lot of defense there. You're getting a lot of mid-range and finishing. So uh, it's just curious what the Bulls are trying to do. Um, and I, I, I give them a lot of crap because I just don't like the direction they're going in. And they haven't really done anything to show the fans, like, we're going to change that. I mean, the East is loaded at the top. The Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, Heat, Cavs, Knicks, Hawks, those teams are all better than the Bulls, and that's not going to change. So I really wish that they would get rid of these guys and just start a bit of a youth movement there. But they're showing no sign of intending to do that. So any final thoughts on the Bulls? Uh, hopefully Lonzo comes back. That's it. I would agree with you there. Uh, Lonzo Ball, prayers up to him. Um, the Thunder are the final team I want to talk about. And they've got a very interesting situation on their hands because obviously Sam Presti has stockpiled all these picks over time. They got a lot in the in the Shea for Paul George trade. Um, they got a lot of picks, and now they've got a, a plethora of young players who uh, they're going to have to decide who's going to stay on the team at this point. They've got 21 roster spots filled at this point, um, and you can only have 16 in the regular season. So they're going to have to cut some players. Some guys that I would expect them to keep, all right, and I've kind of taken some time to think about this. I think Poku should be safe. You have to keep Isaiah Joe. And you got to keep Aaron Wiggins after what he's put on display, both in summer league and at the end of the season last year. The one guy I keep going back and forth with a little bit is Trey Mann. He's shown a little bit of potential, but not as much as other guys, and I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep him. Um, Jack White and Victor Oladipo, I think, will both be cut for sure. And then you got all those guys in the, the Patty Mills trades. I think they've got Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington. Washington will probably stick around. He's still pretty young. But Garuba and Mysich was the other guy um, that I could see them cutting. Now, uh, that's all That's all cool to talk about, and they're going to do what they're going to do. That's not all significant. But I was listening to the Hoop Collective pod. Or actually, it wasn't the Hoop Collective. It was the Zach Lowe low post pod. But they talked about the Thunder a little bit as well. And I heard Zach talk about Zach Giddy potentially being the – did I just say Zach Giddy? That's his name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look, Giddy, uh, no disrespect to him, but as Zach said, you know, he may be the odd man out in Oklahoma City. Like, you've got Shea, you got J-Dub, you got Chet, Dort and Joe are going to be good pieces to keep around. J-Will is a solid big. Like, if you want to really take that team to the next level, I wonder if Josh Giddy's a guy – uh, that you try to trade and that's something zach brought up i wanted to get your thoughts on that really i feel like i'd keep giddy over Dort, but that's just me well okay well the thing is Dort is not going to get you even close to the return that giddy would get right so the idea behind trading giddy is that you're going to get some value and you know the thought process is hey he's only the third or fourth option you know 
I agree with that. Maybe they could try to find like a a better center or something like that. You never know. But I I agree that if they do trade Giddy, I can see why. Because yeah. that team is dangerous. They just need a little more pieces, and I feel like they're ready. I like talking about the Thunder. I think the Thunder are a cool young team to talk about. I think they're going to shock a lot of people. I know. Similar to the Hornets and the Magic and even the Pacers this year, I think the Thunder are going to be a team in the Rockets. I have to throw the Rockets in there, obviously. Rockets, I think for sure. the Thunder will be a team that shocks a lot of people this year and does a lot better than they think. Um, that's all I got for teams and extensions. Uh, so let's get into the trivia. I hope you prepared and I hope you're ready for these. These are a little bit challenging. Before we got the news on Andy, I thought for sure Andy would probably get one of them. Uh, are you ready? I'll try my best. All right. I believe in you. The first one. Everybody says defense wins championships, obviously. And that's, for the most part, true. But this year, Denver had the 15th ranked defensive rating in the regular season and went on to win the NBA championship. That rating was good for second lowest of all NBA champions in the last 27 years. Dating back to 1996, when the Bulls started their second three-peat. So my question to you is, which championship team from 1996 to 2023 had the worst defensive rating among all NBA champions? I think it's a Golden State team, no? It's not a Golden State team. I'll tell you that. Really? Oh, my gosh. Believe it or not, I was excited to ask you this question for a particular reason. Okay, then you gave me a hint. It's got to be the... The Lakers. Hmm. Would it be the 2002 Los Angeles Lakers? It's not the 2002 Lakers. Am I close? I would say you're close. Like close, close, or not really? I would say you're close. Hmm. It's a tough one. I, I knew these were going to be challenging. Well, I'm assuming it's a Lakers team. Okay, it is a Lakers team. I will tell you it's a Lakers team. It could be possibly 2009. It's not 2009. This really shocked me that this was the Lakers team that had the lowest defensive rating, even though I mean, I'm not super familiar with them, but it surprised me a lot. Gosh. Hmm. It's definitely not 2020. That team was stacked. It's not 2020. Was it 2010 when they beat your Celtics? It was not. They had a good defense that year. I believe they were top five. Oh, really? Did you just guess every single Lakers team? Don't they only have like six championships in that time? I thought it was like seven. Well, I already said 2002. It's got to be 2000 or 2001. It is 2001. The 2001 Lakers had the 21st out of 30 in terms of defensive rating. Uh, that it kind of it kind of shocked me because the 01 team is largely considered to be one of their best teams ever. That was the Shaq and Kobe. I think it was the second or first year of the three P. So it, it surprised me a little bit when I heard that. All right, here's your second question. It's oh, a little bit similar. <laughs> in 2022. The Golden State Warriors 
had the 16th rated offense in the regular season. The second lowest in the last 27 years. Who had the lowest? Offensively. In, in 2022? No. Among NBA champions from 1996 to 2023, one team that won the NBA, champion, NBA championship had a lower offensive rating. Is it a Spurs team? It's not a Spurs. You think a Pop, a Coach Popovich led team would have a low offensive rating with Tim Duncan? Come on now. Never know. Mm. Hmm. Well, it's not Kawhi's Raptors team, I can tell you that. It was not. Um. Ooh. Wait. Mm-hmm. Worst offense. It's definitely not the Cavs, because all they did was score. Um, was it 20, 2004 Pistons? It was the 2004 Pistons. Yeah, I, I figured that would be a little bit easier of a question, just because you know you look at all those NBA champions. The Pistons, other than Chauncey Phillips, did not have a prolific scorer. They were 18th that year. The Warriors were 16th in 2022. Um, but yeah, I, when I read that stat, I looked it up afterwards to find out who it was. And in my mind, like in my a couple guesses I had were going to be the 09 Lakers um, and the 04 Pistons. Those were kind of the two teams I was going back and forth with. Uh, but wow, you got that. What was that? Second try? I mean, yeah. you, said, you said, was it a Spurs team? So if was you it? count that as a guess, then yes, it was two tries. But that's really the first team you guessed. So I'm proud of you there. That was impressive. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. We we want to keep doing trivia and incorporate incorporate trivia into the episodes. I think it's fun to do and it's informative as well. Uh, but that's going to conclude the pod. Any final thoughts, closing thoughts before we go, Jesus? No, not really. Just excited to watch this upcoming season. Ready to get my um, NBA. League pass, watch every game. Yep, it should be fun. It should be exciting. Expect a new episode, I would say, sometime around the 12th or 13th, maybe, of August. It'll be not this coming next, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. Uh, we're going to keep going at the one-a-week pace up until maybe mid-September or the beginning of October when things really start to heat up. We'll probably do some kind of special when the NBA schedule does get released. So look forward to that. But for tonight, that's all we got. This episode should be up on YouTube and Spotify sometime on Saturday. Uh, so we we look forward to seeing how many of you enjoyed the episode. So as always, thank you for joining in, and we will see you next time.